taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast uh, with yours truly, Brian Chilton. Uh, Curtis Avalo, uh, our co-host, could not be with us tonight uh, as his daughter is uh, graduating over there in St. Ignatius, Montana. So we want to uh, wish his daughter the very best as, uh, as she's graduated and uh, we know that uh, God has some wonderful things in store for her. And so again, we want to thank you for joining us here on the Bellator Christie Podcast. We have a very special podcast for you today. Uh, this is kind of off the cuff. Uh, the Lord led me to uh, contact uh, a good friend of mine, and she's no stranger to the Bellator Christie podcast, and that's Melissa Palou, and uh, she is the co-chapter director uh, and community apologist at Ratio Christie at Winthrop University. Uh, she's a co-host at True Life Radio. Uh, she's also on the speaking team at Women in Apologetics, co-host at uh, Theology Matters with the Palous. Uh, chapter director at Ratio Christie at York Technical College, and uh, Melissa, you're just all over the place. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank you for being with us uh, today on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Thanks for having me, Pastor Brian. Always enjoy being with you. Absolutely. So today we're uh, talking about some uh, very difficult issues. We are talking about, of course, uh, uh, George Floyd uh, was uh, died. Uh, what was it? About a week ago, I think, something like that. Uh, uh, and, and under some very bad circumstances, he was uh, held down by uh, three or four police officers and. Uh, uh, it appears that uh, he died from asphyxiation, according to what a uh, independent uh, autopsy seemed to show. And uh, as we were going on the, uh, getting ready to go on the air, we had uh, breaking news from the New York Times. Uh, Virginia's Governor Ralph uh, Northam has just ordered that the statue of Confederate G- General Robert E. Lee uh, would be removed uh, from the state capitol in Richmond, Virginia. In addition, uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, the officer who uh, applied pressure, a uh, tremendous amount of pressure, it seemed, on the back of the George Floyd's neck uh, as George Floyd passed away, his um, charges have been upgraded from third-degree murder to second-degree murder, and three other officers involved in Floyd's death have also been arrested. Uh, we see uh, a nation uh, that is uh, hurting, we see that um, you know there are many uh, peaceful protests going along, and, and rightfully so, uh, but unfortunately many of these protests have uh, turned into riots uh, at night, and uh, I know when Charlotte had riots going on, it seemed as if uh, many of those riots didn't come from people who were protesting, but were people who came from outside the state, from what from I was told, but that's, that's a whole other topic, but... Um, Anyhow, uh, Melissa, what are your thoughts? First of all, before we get into the main questions, what are some of your thoughts concerning some of the news that's just that's just broken out? Um, it is interesting. I know things are unfolding. Um, I am particularly happy that the investigation is moving forward 
um, in that. Amen. Um, those uh, the law enforcement there and the district attorney, these people, investigators, and I think the Department of Justice is involved as well. But they're you know taking a thorough look at the situation and in trying to assign the appropriate charges, um, you know, so that whatever the outcome is, that um, you know there could that there will be the right punishment for the crime and these sort of things. Um, but I think it seems like there's something with, with these, with the cases um, always uh, kind of coming forward. But um, I think it's a good thing that the investigation is, is moving forward for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my first question for you is, as we, as we talk about this very difficult issue and, and uh, it's a very important issue that we need to discuss about the, the state of our nation, the, the shape that we're in, uh, spiritually speaking. And how does the message, as an apologist, and as you look at this situation, how does the message of Christ shape the way we view people from, from all sorts of ethnicities? Absolutely. Um, there's so much um, that you know I could talk about in regards to that. Um, I, these issues go back to your worldview, you know, and how you view God, how you view man, how you view um, the, the authority of Scripture. Um, all of these things, these different things, come into to, um, to play. You know, the meaning of life, these sort of things. As we look at those around us, other humans um, of different ethnicities. When we look at what Christ has done and who He is and His creation, it gives us just a very um, appropriate uh, look at who man is. For instance, we, you know, in Genesis, when man first comes on the scene, um, we are told that man is created in the image of God, with the imago Dei, which um, means that he is he's a the special creation of God. Uh, he's different than the animal kingdom in that he's has a, uh, this intrinsic worth and value that uh, one is able to build a, a, a union with, with God, a union with Christ, and they can know Christ on, a, on an intimate uh, level and can understand the world in different, uh, more, um, a, a more existential way, in a more meaningful way, and relationships, communication, all of these things uh, we just see from Scripture uh, are, are part of how God created us definitely um, as a special creation. Um, we're told in you know, Psalm 139, four, 14, excuse me, that um, we praise him because we are fear fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, so that just lets us know that there is something very special about human beings in, in, in the eyes of God. Um, when we look at even the work of salvation, um, we go from creation to salvation. Um, uh, first Peter uh, tells us that First Peter two tells us that um, God's people, God's chosen people, um, that we are we're chosen people, we're royal priesthood, um, causes a holy nation, um, and His royal possession. Um, that that's a when we're talking about Almighty God, and we're talking about His view. Uh, or his creation, and when he speaks of us in the, in this manner, um, there's a very um, um, important 
stamp of his image again that he places on man. Um, and then when we look at Revelation, um, in the end, uh, we get a glimpse. The Lord gives gives the, John a glimpse into the end times. And John is, he sees the throne of God in heaven, and he sees people from every nation and tribe and tongue. Um, he says they're, they're worshiping God. Mm. And so when I look at the scriptures in it, he t- uh, the Lord talks about how his chosen, their royal priesthood, you know, holy, a holy nation, his special creation. And then we see this glimpse in Revelation of all these people of multitudes of, of all these different tribes and tongues and nations. Um, all of them are special to God. Mm. All of them have a, a, a special place in God's heart. Um, and because of that, we should hold each other in the same regard. Um, I think it's interesting in John when he talks about uh, this, all these differences that he sees uh, in heaven at the throne. I don't think that that, that, that description um, uh, that he gives us there is, is by accident. Amen. I think that this was the Lord uh, letting us know that in the end, um, we're all going to be together, his people his chosen people and that we're going to be together on one accord. We're going to be worshiping him. We'll be together with no sin and no worries. And um, it's just a beautiful picture. So um, just in short, the message of Christ, when we look at us in being made in his image, when we look at um, him having bought us with, with his own blood, uh, it makes you view humanity in such a very special way. And so when we talk about, um, when the Lord talks in the scriptures and um, all throughout the scriptures and how there's no partiality, how he sees man equal, um, it uh, should really make us pause and think about how we look at one another um, and to make sure that in, in ourselves that we don't have partiality. And then if we do, um, you know, it, it can be confessed and it can be repented of and we can ask the Lord to help us with that. Um, and so we don't view humans um, in a uh, us versus them uh, type of um, predicament because uh, the scripture tells us also that we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. So those, those who are, are created in God's image, uh, we still are subject to the fall. And so we all have a fallen fallen sinful nature and so it's not a us versus them um but it's us we all all of us regardless of our ethnicity regardless of our socioeconomic status regardless of our gender um regardless regardless of where we came from um or our our occupations and these sort of things um we all need a savior because we're all sinners Amen. amen And so we're all in the same boat, as I, you know, as I like to say. And we're all in the same boat, uh, in lost, in need of a savior. And so again, when we look at each other in that way, through God's eyes, um, and we understand our own human struggles and our own, um, our own limitations, our own, uh, our, our us being finite compared to him, his, you know, him being infinite. Um, it should draw us together with humanity mm. in a different way, um, in a very special way, um, as we uh, try to serve Him uh, and together and and live for His glory and 
as we try to point others to him. So, yeah, I would definitely say that the message of Christ, it has everything to do with how we view uh, other ethnicities and each other. You know, as you as you were speaking, two, two passages of Scripture really came to my mind. And one of them was in John 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, and and Samaritans and Jewish people weren't weren't supposed to communicate, you know, and and, and he broke so many barriers, right? And uh, the gender barrier, he broke the racial barrier, he broke the the nationality uh, barrier, uh, and the sin barrier, even. And he is even uses the woman to bring an entire community to faith. Oh yeah, she went back and. Hey, tell uh, there's the man told me everything about myself. Come and you know, come and see him. I mean, she was bringing people to Jesus, basically. And so, yeah, when we see him walking the earth, we don't see any partiality in him. Absolutely. And so, um, as our obviously as our ultimate example, that's that's who we follow. And then I was also thinking about as you mentioned in Revelation. My mind went to Revelation twenty one and twenty two, where where it, you know it, we have as you mentioned before. This depiction of people around the throne coming from different nationalities, ethnicities, different languages. But then when you come to Revelation 21, you see that all of these people from different walks, they become one people. uh, God's people, and He dwells with them and they with Him. And that's just, a, as you mentioned, that is a beautiful scene, seeing as He has taken people from all walks, bring them in His kingdom, and it's so different than the earth and than what we see with these with these uh, racial and ethnic ethnic battles that we have that have been going on since the beginning of time. Absolutely. Um, tribal battles. It's it's a very different picture. Um and so yeah, it, it is so beautiful. And like I said, I, I just don't think that those details uh were given to us just haphazardly. I think it was the Lord actually letting us know that um, this is what it's going to be like, that the racial strife and the ethnic strife and the, the, all the, the nations, the wars, all of that's going to be done and that his people are going to be from all over and from all walks of life and that we have that to look forward to for our eternity. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. We are speaking of eternity. I, th- I think it's a wonderful segue to our next question. How how does our view of eternity help us when thinking about injustices that occur, like the tragic death of George Floyd? And, and Melissa, as we were talking before the podcast, um, th- I, I've been disturbed by things like this in the past, but this yeah. one really has yeah. impacted me, and I think impacted many people even more. I, I guess seeing the video and seeing this man pleading for his life and see his life passing before the viewer's own eyes that this this one was really even more difficult to watch than the than ones before as tragic as the other ones were as right. well so what would you say how our view of eternity helps us when thinking about injustice right so uh you know in culture there are lots of people um fight against injustices and lots of people um, have various causes, you know, whether it's uh, to, to alleviate the suffering of the, of the poor or the homeless or the, those caught in trafficking or the orphans um, and, and the sick. So there, there's lots of injustices uh, or yeah, just injustices that we see around us and, and we see others coming to the aid of others to help them in their suffering. Um, now there is, 
there is a different scope when we're talking about eternity, though. Um, it's a much it's a much bigger scope, um, and there's a much a much larger view when we're talking about injustices. So we're not just um, when we're talking from an eternal perspective, we're not just talking about social justice um, in terms of uh, from a temporal view, just alleviating this the immediate sufferings of, of other humans who are who are suffering, um, or just addressing the injustices that are happening in our society at that moment, um, or just some uh, some sort of a, a, a um, it's not a cultural fetish type of thing. Um, biblical justice always has eternity in mind. Um, it starts with uh, us first seeing people uh, as God sees them, which we just discussed, um, being made in the image of God and his likeness, mm-hmm. being fearfully and wonderfully made, being bought with the price. Um, and we, it starts with seeing people that way, and that is what um, propels us to walk into uh, their suffering and to walk with them through their suffering. Um, and the difference, one of the other differences as well, is that um, this sense of, uh, of wanting to help and wanting to do something and wanting to intervene um, does not just come from a sense of uh, wanting to feel good about ourselves or wanting to feel like we made a difference. Um, it comes from just this innate sense, moral duty that God's placed in us because as we discussed earlier, we are created in his image and so we are moral beings. Mm. So because we have, uh, we see people as God sees them and we have uh, God's heart, um, we love the things that he loves and we hate the things that he hates. And so our God is a just God. Our God is a God of love. And so we are propelled to again, step into people's suffering and to help in whatever way we can. And so um, it's not only meeting uh, physical needs, which uh, many times that is the extent of what uh, uh, your earthly type of justice movements have, uh, where they stop, but we're also uh, concerned with the spiritual aspect of the person's, uh, the person needing not just a physical sort of freedom, but a spiritual freedom, because we want to ultimately point them to Jesus, the ultimate provider, the ultimate um, savior, um, because we are, um, we, we can be pictures of uh, little saviors and with the little S, you know, in terms of helping, saving people immediately from various uh, situations that are, un, you know, unjust, inhumane, and they're suffering, but we can't save them from their sin. We can't um, seal them for eternity. That's the work of God. So I would say that that is the the um, the impact of, of viewing uh, things from an eternal perspective, and the 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 um, effect that it has on our uh, sense of justice. Um, again, it starts with with God. It starts with his with Him being the Creator and Him creating us uh, with the compassion to help and to love others and us wanting to see others in right relationship with him. Um, so it's, uh, and, and also I'll add as well, uh, it also shows us the limitation, our limitations because, um, being finite beings, uh, we, we do not have, uh, unlimited power to solve every, uh, 
every ill of the, of the world and of society. That's a good point. Of ourselves, right? And so it um, it help. We have to depend on God. So it's uh, prayer is a huge part of it um, of of being someone who's after uh, God's heart for justice. And so we know that because we have a God who created things and in the end is going to make things right and restore the earth, um, we understand that he does have, uh, that justice will be served ultimately in in his way because he is a perfect judge. And so um, it, it gives us a proper view of, again, like I said earlier, everything goes back to, to your worldview. And so when you have, when you start with God uh, as creator and you see man uh, coming on the scene as a special creation, man falling, the world becoming um, fallen as a result and sin, death, sickness, sadness, grief, all of these things enter the world. We understand as Christians that though those things exist, that there will be a day that everything will be made new and all the right, the wrongs will be made right. Um, and so it's, it, that is, I know for myself, uh, Pastor Brian, I have been in seasons of my life where I'm just trying to do, I want to do everything. Mm. And even now, um, and, and I, I can, I'll go into this even with some of, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm talking too much here. No, you're fine. <laughs> Um, even now, um, with believers and with this whole tragedy, uh, with George Floyd losing his life, um, people want to do something and yeah. you hear this a lot. They're, they feel so frustrated because they want to do something. And so, uh, my, um, again, I think when we are, when we have an eternal perspective, um, there, the angst is, is though it's there, we are, we moan and groan, you know, cause we're waiting for the day for all things to be made right too. Uh, yeah. Along have, with creation itself, you know, creation itself is moaning that. Right. But there is still a sense of peace that yeah. again, that God is going to return as he promised and that he's going to right the wrongs. And so though we work towards, um, alleviating the suffering that we, that we can, um, and that he has called us to, and that he's given us the ability to, we do ultimately um, point others to him as as the ultimate savior, and we know that uh, he is the perfect judge who is going to, to um, restore everything. I, I like the point that you made about everything beginning with a worldview. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that is very powerful, very powerful point to be made, because I, as, I was, as I was listening to you, my mind went to th- to th- to ask myself when I was because I, I was about seven years uh, seven years as I was agnostic mm-hmm, and okay. then going back in my mind how would I have dealt with that right you know because right. we talk about the problem of evil we talk about you know why do bad things happen on on the earth as they do why does loving God allow bad things to happen but how do you how do you handle that if your worldview has no ultimate sense of justice? Right, and I think that that is part of the, um, you know, part of the worldly justice um, perspective, and that's why um, for those that are involved in that, they, you know, not that they are not doing great things, and not that they're not doing um, wonderful work to help others and to love others, 
Um, and that's because God, uh, even if they don't acknowledge the Lord, uh, he has, uh, put that within us, that desire. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a strong moral it, argument for God. Right. And if you don't, but if you don't have a, a, um, a God who can, uh, who can make everything right and you don't have a view that justice in the end will be served, um, you, you are just working for, uh, the immediate or the temporal, mm-hmm. um, and we're, as opposed to the Christian worldview, where we have an eternal perspective on things. Amen, mm-hmm. Melissa. I want to ask you a personal question. Okay. <laughs> have, have you faced racial injustices in your own life, and if so, how how did you, as a Christian, handle those issues? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you viewers can can tell they may have a picture up or not i'm not sure but but i am i am black um and so um i um have grown up in in the south my whole life um in terms of uh like racial prejudice and injustice and these sort of things um i would say that from my perspective growing up i faced some of it but it was not just from those who were white um i also dealt with it within the own, my own black community, probably more so there. Wow. Um, and that's, people are, are uh, usually intrigued when I say that, but, um, uh, the, and this is kind of another topic with the issue of colorism and being a darker skinned female. Um, many times that was in, in, in many of your minority cultures, you'll find that actually basically in every minority culture, you'll find some form of, colorism or, or classism or something of that nature. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and so it is something that I dealt with, with the feeling that um, I was too dark and I wasn't pretty and I wasn't good enough. And so I, I dealt with that within within my own black community um, more so than, in uh, you know, with, with the white community. But um, so I, I have dealt with those things in my life. It has not been on the scale that I would say um, it has um, made me um, change any of my life choices or uh, I know that I am ultimately responsible for my, my own moral choices and, um, you know, my work ethic and these sort of things. But I have dealt with it and uh, but many of it before I was a Christian. And to be honest, I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, it just, it, it was more internalized. You just kind of internalize things and you feel bad about yourself. And, um, but of course, when I got saved at 20 years old and so was able to give all of those things to the Lord from my past and understand again, that going, learning that biblical worldview, learning the scriptures, learning how to think biblically that I was created in God's image. And that I was loved, that I was accepted, that he did, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, those things made all the difference in the world. And I think that when you have that view and you understand that, um, not that uh, prejudice does not affect you in some senses, in, in a worldly sense, but um, having an eternal perspective, uh, you have, um, you have a, a, a foundation uh, for um, understanding your, your worth as a human being. Um, so, you know, I try to, and that is the message that I would give to anyone who has suffered any sort of prejudice or someone who has 
or someone who who has uh, prejudged and stereotyped others or discriminated against others is to understand uh, who we who we really are at our core. Um, because many of the things that we judge each other by um, are that we uh, stereotype uh, categories that we stereotype by. They're just mere uh, temporal, earthly, um, accidental properties that do not have uh, anything to do with the essence of who we are as humans. And so um, I I have dealt with it. Um, I would not say that it's been on the scale that, uh, again, that it's affected uh, my destiny in life or, or anything like that. But um, what I have faced, it has actually made me a more determined individual uh, and uh, made me uh, and has built courage within me. And you and you definitely have courage. You and Devin both. I mean, you you guys amaze me. You go to uh, atheist <laughs> conferences and I mean atheist secularist conferences and share the gospel. <laughs> Most Christians would be shaking in their boots to doing something like that. <laughs> we, we are pretty crazy, you know. Well, we, we hey, that's a good kind of crazy. <laughs> we do we do take the we take the community apologist. Um, we take that very seriously because we know there's so many people that need Christ and, you know, they're not, it, it's not always a conventional person who, uh, you know, just walks in a church and wants to be saved. You know, many times it's the, the person on the street that is, uh, when you, you sit and listen to them and their story, it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> um, so it's, uh, the gospel's for everyone. And so, and that, that is, again, that is the beauty of seeing people of all ethnicities and all socioeconomics uh, again as in not uh, us versus them but as uh, uh, us us all of us mm-hmm. all of us need the gospel all of us need to, all of us need the gospel every day every moment of our lives mm-hmm. um, that, that's the beauty of it it does unite us and and I, I, I've got I gotta go back to the phrase you said it all starts with our worldview I, I love that mm-hmm. I love that statement. So, what are good? I mean, and you guys, you guys, uh, you stand in the gap in the issue of abortion. You know, you've, you've, um, I don't know if you want to call it protest in that regard, or, or, or just try to support people. But there are obviously good ways and bad ways to protest to let one's voice Mm -hmm. be heard. How would, how would you answer what the good and bad ways are uh, to let a person's voice be heard? Right. That's a very, very good and valid question, because I think there's a lot of confusion on that, um, not just in the world, but I think in the church as well, um, is what's okay and what's not okay. Um, how far is too far and those sort of things. And as you mentioned, my, Devin and I both have been pro-life advocates for several years. And so we've, uh, we've done sidewalk counseling outreach, but, you know, I've also participated in protests. Um, you know, maybe at um, a Planned Parenthood event or some other uh, situation where abortion was being promoted and um, just try to stand in the gap to share truth. And, um, you know, as Americans, uh, protesting is, is a part of our rights. Um, and it is, a, you know, rights given to us in the Constitution. Um, and basically with protesting, uh, the goal is to just is to spread a message of that something unjust has happened or something unjust is happening and just to, uh, to voice our opposition to it, um, to offer some sort of solutions. 
that is a, a very positive thing and it is a very effective thing mm-hmm. um, to let our voices be heard when wrongs are done in our society now when i what i would say the differences between good and bad protests when i look at a good protest there are certain things that um i would question things such as um is this going to be a positive is this going to help us move in the right direction towards our intended goal um against the injustice that we're that that we're standing against um because it's been thought through well when you're doing a protest um when uh you know many of the times like i said when i when we've done like planned parenthood events or we've stood there we you know uh, had signs or what or what have you um we think we try to think through and strategize well um as in and as a team as a as a unified team um and so has this been thought through well mm-hmm. um is this going to encourage good open dialogue and communication that's a good question that's that's a good yeah. question to be had yeah um because again uh, what is our purpose in doing this? And, you know, maybe we should step back before any of this and ask, what is our purpose? You know, yeah. is this something that I should do or participate in? Uh, what is the purpose itself? Um, but, yeah, uh, open open dialogue. Um, is this going to help help to create um, or maintain relationships um, to where, you know, this common goal can be accomplished or that the those who oppose uh, this moral good that I'm standing for, that I can communicate with them to understand it better. And can, is this going to give, um, an opportunity to share hope? Does this offer hope or does this still leave me in despair? Does this still, does this leave me with a sense of hopelessness or does it offer hope, um, that doors have been open and that progress is, is being made? Um, does it give me opportunities to share the gospel? Right? Absolutely. That's where ultimately, we are called by the Great Commission. The Lord tells us to share the gospel um, and wherever we go. And so, if we, if our, in our protesting, um, it hinders an opportunity for us to share the gospel, then I would question if it is, in fact, a good protest that, you know, believers should be involved with. Um, I would say that um, with a, pro- uh, 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 a good protest, that it would uh, promote peace, um, and it's in the pursuit of peace that we are, are doing what we're doing, and that it's, now, now protests are a way of holding, it is a way of holding people accountable, those who have done wrongs. So, um, now that, that is a biblical justice, as we just talked about, is a biblical virtue. Right. It is something, uh, you know, that God has placed within us to, des- you know, that desire something in us desires justice when we see wrongs that are being done. So, is this going to properly hold those accountable who need to be held accountable, or uh, am I not? Or am I? Is my protest to the wrong people, to the wrong audience? Is it? Is it going to ultimately uh, impact or? get a message across to those who are doing wrong. Um, and so those are some of the main things that I would say in terms of um, of a good protest. And just a bad protest would be pretty much the opposite of all of that. Um, it would uh, create more of a divide 
uh, because again, with a good protest, open doors uh, is the way that you want to go. Open communication, um, more dialogue. So if uh, if that's the case, then with the bad protests, I would say that it creates more of a divide. Um, it's uh, there's not really a good end in mind. Maybe not well thought through. Uh, system, you know, on a systematic basis of how it's going to go. Not maybe not well prepared, and um, and maybe. Uh, I would say, just if is it destructive, uh, and that can be interpreted in a, a number of different ways, depending on, on what you're doing. Is it destructive to others? Uh, is it destructive to innocent people? Is it destructive uh, to my cause, even? Because if I'm protesting and I'm trying protesting in the name of something good, um, if in my protesting I'm causing destruction, then um, I would call into question uh, really the the, um, the the protest in general. Maybe not maybe not uh, the good intent and the, maybe the good motive, but um, just the, the methodology of going about of going about the protest. Yeah, and and just to add a further note on what you just said for anyone who mm-hmm. they may asking ask a question, you know, you know, we talk about biblically. Uh, that we we do need to pursue justice. Isaiah one seventeen says, "Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause." Uh, there, there again, standing in the gap for for those who have been oppressed, those who have uh, been abused. You know, um, I could give you you know just an example off the top of my head. Like I said, over the years, just we've we've been a part of, of quite a diff- a lot of protests. Um, and all have um, been peaceful on our end. Um, you know, and sometimes the people that you're protesting to or the events that you might be protesting, they may not have the nicest things to say to you. They might have some choice words to say to you. Um, but if you're there for the right cause uh, and you're, you have the right motive and uh, you're prayed up, God gives you the strength in those times to remain peaceful mm. and to pray for those people and to still uh, encourage dialogue with the, with these people. Um, and so, uh, but just an example, um, we, uh, me and a few friends, we were um, protesting at a, um, uh, in downtown Charlotte, there was a event uh, that was promoting uh, uh, Planned Parenthood um, uh, Basically, well, actually, it was act, uh, it was against a pro life bill that was being legislated that would uh, that would regulate abortion more. Mm. And uh, so, Planned Parenthood and a lot of pro choice politicians and a lot of pro choice advocates were there. And it was maybe me and, like I said, maybe four or five other ladies. And actually, I had my my daughter with me too. I think she was only a few months old. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I had her with me, and so she's. My, you know, babies in the stroller protesting too. Um, and um, we had our signs that had peaceful messages. and But the messages were very thought-provoking about the, the beauty and sanctity of human life and what we were standing for. And um, the uh, it was interesting at the end of the pro- at the end of the event, um, some of the people that were there from the uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, uh, representatives and, and some of the pro, pro-choice uh, folks kind of came over to us in the end and were like, you know, you, thank you guys for being, you know, very peaceful and, you know, you had your signs, you, you 
made your message known. We we read the signs, but you you know you did remain peaceful and you respected us. You know, um, and you know what happened is that led to the opportunity to share about why we were there. So we had like after the event was over, we were out there having you know for a couple hours just having discussions about the sanctity of human life and why we felt so strongly about why we were there and um, and opportunities to share the gospel. So, again, I, I would consider that a successful protest. That, that is something I think that we are losing in our culture, the, mm-hmm. the ability to uh, have good dialogues with people who differ from us. And I think that we as Christians need to excel at that. And I think you've given us an example of why, mm-hmm. I guess it, you would say it ultimately comes down to respect for the person, but why that matters so so greatly because that leads to good conversations which may very well bring about a change in that person's perspective. Absolutely. And that, you know, and that, if, if I have, if a person has at least considered my position um, and considered the truth, um, you know, I've done my job. You know, if right. I if I've helped them to think a little more deeply, if I've maybe changed some of their perspectives that they didn't know, um, then uh, that is that successful. You know, I try to leave, you know, as much as I can. You know, can I get your business card? You know, maybe we can follow this conversation up. Um, that that makes a huge difference in your so your methodology uh, says a lot about um, it doesn't it doesn't speak to whether or not your message is right or wrong. Because you can have the wrong methodology with the right uh, with the right cause and, and vice versa, um, but it um, definitely gives some validity to it, and it uh, can make people um, think deeply and think deeper. Um, and and it again, the conversations is is where everything happens. Very true. Very very wisely put. Mm-hmm. Now on a different note, changing gears. We're going through. I'm will be turning 43 this October, and this okay. of my 43 years on of life on Earth, uh-huh. this year has been the weirdest year <laughs> I have ever seen. <laughs> so, so how has this? I mean, on top of everything else that's going on right now, how has this pandemic affected uh, your apologetics ministry? Um. It was very um, strange because we were so uh, with this semester we had so uh, this spring semester so much so much momentum and we were just um, building all these relationships with students on campus from the fall and and we were you know had you know going strong into the spring semester and had this big debate planned and we had that and then um, literally like two days after the debate they were like okay. Time to, you know, everything shut down, you know, um, and so it really, um, it was, it was difficult for me because, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that likes to uh, change a whole lot my, of my, my game plan, but it forced, it did force us to change our plan. And so um, it, it has been more difficult and has had more challenges in terms of um, maintaining relationships with students that we had on campus that are now kind of all over the place. Um, but in with the pandemic, um, I think, like you said, this year has been so unpredictable and so, uh, man, it's, it's, 
I don't even know how a word to describe uh, what, what it's been like. It's just, you don't know what to expect. And so in that, um, we have found that people are wanting to talk about spiritual issues because of the uncertainty of the culture and that, um, and even that isolation that, that having to be isolated from others and, um, that can bring up so many different feelings of depression and loneliness and things like that. And so, um, we've been able to do, um, some communications through, uh, the phone. Um, it's, we've had to, um, depend more on, uh, technology. And so it, it's forced me to learn more about that. <laughs> um, cause I'm, a little, you know, I'm not very tech, tech savvy, but um, it's forced me to learn some new uh, methods and ways of communicating with others and getting the truth out. And so, um, it, even though it's been a crazy year, it's been, um, it has been, uh, we've seen the Lord do some really neat things still. And so, um, I'm thankful to him for helping, uh, you know, for giving us still opportunities to reach others. And, um, but in, with apologetics ministry, I would say it, it actually, you know, like I said, people are, um, some people are really struggling. Um, and so they're asking some of these deeper questions now about life. And as people are, you know, people are getting COVID around them and, you know, am I going to get it next? You know, what's going to happen if I get it? You know, yeah. what if this person, you know, how these, all these, these, a lot of the fear of, of, of death and, the fear of uh, not understanding what's going to happen with with the economy and things like that, and their futures, even with our futures, um, it's presented some opportunities to talk about these deeper worldview issues and philosophical questions that people have about, you know, does God exist? Uh, why am I here? What 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 does happen when we die? Um, and the problem of evil, you know, why do bad things happen? Why is all of this happening? Um, is there a God that's in control? So uh, I think it's been, it's a good opportunity for us to uh, to share the, these deeper uh, answers and to have these dialogues. And, you know, especially people in isolation, you know, mm-hmm. when they have they have some time to, to, to think and read and, uh, and to think about some of these deeper issues. So, yeah, it has been challenging, but I would say it has been fruitful as well. And the next question you've kind of you've kind of answered this to a degree, but you know again, twenty twenty is one of the craziest years we've have we've had a pandemic, we've had uh, nation in turmoil, right. uh, we've have now murder hornets coming in Seattle. Uh, We're supposed yeah. to have a active tropical season in the you know in the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, putting on your prophetic hat. I mean, are, you know, are we gonna have meteors next? <laughs> I'm kidding. Decided. I, I was when now murder hornets. I was like, uh, okay, I will never leave the house if those things are out. You know. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be. Um, I just, I, I, what I, I, what I pray is that, um, and for myself, for our ministry, for you know those listening, um, that. We get a deeper sense of trust in the Lord through all of this. Um, you know, uh, actually, um, February, uh, uh, February, we lost my uncle. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. March, we lost my grandmother. Mm. And then we just lost my little cousin. We just, her funeral was on this past Monday. Oh, my um, goodness. 
And so we had three losses within the pandemic. Now, not to COVID, but different, um, two of them were unexpected deaths. Um, well, actually, all three were technically. But um, so we had three deaths during the pandemic. Um, so it was, it has been a really trying season of trying to mourn and trying to understand the world around you. Um, and so many are, are, have gone through things like this as, as we're going through this. But I just pray that this time we will just take a breath, um, just just put, you know, just trust the Lord more and more every day. Um, because we we don't have any clue what's going to happen from the next day to the next. So, That's very true. Um, <laughs> but we know who. But we know who does. You know, Absolutely. and so that that is our hope and our trust, and um, that is where uh, our peace lies ultimately. So ho- hopefully, no meteors or or giant crocodiles or anything. Like that. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about a volcano near, um, I, I don't know if it was near Mount St. Helens, but a volcano that like ha- that was like, yeah, something was going on with it that hadn't happened in oh like goodness. forever. And I'm like, that would be the, that would be the last thing that we needed. But That would um, be the icing on the cake. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I do, you know, like I said, if we, as we talk about these race issues and we talk about the protest and there's just a lot of confusion out there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of anger. Um, I think uh, I, we were talking earlier, Pastor Brian, with this pandemic and with all of the uncertainty of this year. Um, I think that that has led to some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the 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 rage and the anger and the confusion as well. So, uh, before um, before the before the podcast, you even mentioned, and I think you put it well. This is kind of the perfect storm of things it coming. Really, on. is it really is when we've been separated from one another, um, and isolation is is not how God created us to be. Right. You know, and so I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes it's for the greater good of society, but it's just ultimately not the the He made us social relational beings, um, and so. Uh, Computer screens are good, and testing is good, and phones are good, but there's something about human touch and eye contact and things like that that we need. Absolutely. Um, and I just, I pray for peace. Um, I pray for the Lord through this to save. I do. I pray for him to save um, and to show people um, that he is real through through their confusion and through their anger and through their sadness, um, that he does love them and that um, that it's not it's not a hopeless situation because as we said earlier there is an eternal perspective do, do you um, think that's not, the message that God's trying is. to I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you do, do you think that's the message that God's trying to share to us through all of this that that we can trust him that you know as much as we like to think we have our lives under control that really ultimately he's in control do you, you think that maybe the message that he's trying I, to share I, Think that I think that that's it. I mean, I would have never thought in 2020 that we would have lost the three family members that we lost back to back to back. That we, you know, we would have had three funerals, um, and it, I would have never guessed that. But there is a, a, a deep amount of trust that that, a, that has been gained through through that. Um, not that it's easy at, at all. Uh, we are human, but yeah, I definitely think that trust trust in Him. Through this, through the through the racial strife, through the pandemic, 
through the economic, you know, kind of collapse situations that we're going, that we're seeing through this crazy election year, um, through the weather being unstable, that we have him and that he is always there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Amen. Well, well, Melissa, before we close, uh, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about your ministry and how people can can support uh, the things that you guys are doing? Yeah, thank you for for offering that. Yeah, so Devin, my husband Devin uh, and I, Devin and Melissa Flew, we are the chapter directors, as, as Pastor Brown mentioned, at uh, Monthly University, York Technical College, here in Rockville, South Carolina, as well as we have a, a youth apologetics group, uh, Rancho Christie College Prep. Um, and do a lot of, uh, of teaching training in the community and evangelism outreach and training. And so you can, um, uh, if you go to our Facebook.com, uh, Christie Winthrop Facebook page, you can find us. Um, uh, I can be reached um, on, if you go to RashiaChristie.org, um, slash Melissa, slash Blue, or hyphen Blue, you can find me there. Um, and, uh, our email, my email, Melissa Palou at RashoChristie.org. Any questions or any way that we can serve anyone and, and help to um, help to bring God's truth to, to others, to help train the church, to help reach unbelievers, to help train our youth, um, evangelism outreach, evangelism training, um, and just encouraging, even if it's just encouragement that, that one needs. Uh, during this time, we definitely want to be here to, to serve. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And as I said before, you have you and Devin both have an open invitation to come on any time. And uh, we appreciate you and the ministry that you guys have. And so uh, we want to encourage everyone to go and support uh, Melissa and Devin and their ministry at Ratio Christie at Winthrop University. They do great work. As I mentioned before, they're apologetic warriors. They go into places that people wouldn't even consider uh, to atheistic conferences, to pagan conferences, to share the gospel of Christ with them. And that's what we as apologists uh, should be doing all along. So, Melissa, we, we, we love you guys. We thank you so much for being with us today. And thank so, you for everything that you do. God bless you. God bless you too. For Melissa Pillow, this is Brian Chilton saying thank you for joining us on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. We'll see you back next time. been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas.
You are listening to the Bellator Moment on the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we discuss events of the time from a biblical perspective. The world has been rocked by the death of George Floyd. In a politically volatile time, many are dismissing the entire situation as a left versus right political fight. On social media, voices are elevated as the tensions of our nation escalate. I ask myself if the rants on social media and the peaceful protests turn violent, if they're not only a reflection of a deeper issue affecting our nation. The problem is not merely a racial one. It's not merely a political one. The problem comes down to a person's worldview. If a person begins with God, then one will note the intrinsic value that each person holds. If God is viewed as the painter, then every pigment of skin color and every spoken language are but hues upon God's palette which he uses to orchestrate into his own masterpiece. Can we imagine the world if everyone was like ourselves? It would be a most boring place indeed. When we view life from the perspective of God being the artist, then everything from a human being to the blade of grass begins to hold intrinsic value. Without God, nothing is of value. Everything becomes meaningless. Our nation's problem cannot be solved with a politician, no matter his or her political affiliation. Rather, the only hope for our nation and world is found in the Christian worldview. This has been the Bellator Moment on the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton. God bless. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.